Hey, American government and civics, welcome. This is a, a little mini review for your CFA on uh, <coughs> Unit 5. So Unit 5 covers two AKS 36 and 38, uh, and that's what this CFA covers. So let's get rolling. So 36 is about the judges and the courts and, and the process of the Supreme Court and things like that. Uh, the first AKS to cover is 36A, and that says to describe the selection and approval process for federal judges. So this is pretty simple. Uh, the president of the United States appoints all federal judges, <clears throat> and then they have to go through uh, the Senate for approval. So there is a Judiciary Committee, and that's really their job, is to when the president picks, whether it be a district judge, one of those 94, whether it is uh, an appellate court judge, whether it is a Supreme Court judge. Once they are picked, the, the name goes to the Judiciary Committee, they have a hearing, and they will vote yes or no. And then it goes to the full Senate for uh, final approval. Um, so that is the process, okay? Now, what does it take to be a judge? There's really no criteria criteria uh, in, the, in the Constitution. Uh, they could come and grab me and say, hey, we want you to be a judge. Okay. Uh, I have no experience. No, 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 no nothing. Uh, there's no age requirements. So there's, there's nothing. Now, does that mean they're going to come pick me? No, you're going to have to have some kind of law background. You're going to have experience and all that kind of good stuff. And just keep in mind that, you know, the president will pick people that are going to, to have the same views, political views as them. Uh, 36B says to explain the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, federal courts, and the state courts. So, um, Here's what you got to remember. Jurisdiction in this case is just hearing the case. All right. So uh, basically who hears the case first. All right. And there's two things. You've got either uh, original jurisdiction or you have appellate. Original just means that you hear the case first. So if I break a federal law, let's say I go out and rob a bank and I rob banks across several states. All right, so it's a nationwide manhunt for me. The FBI is involved. I've robbed banks in Georgia, Florida. Then I went to Alabama, Mississippi, all these places. Okay, uh, I'm going to end up in federal court, a district court. That would be original jurisdiction. They're the first ones to hear my case. Let's say I just do something here in Georgia. I um, punch someone in the face. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to the local Gwinnett court, and that would be original jurisdiction. So just wherever the case is heard first, that's original jurisdiction. Now, the Supreme Court has both original. They will hear some cases first, which is going to be uh, cases that involve states and cases that involve uh, foreign dignitaries and the like. They also have what's called appellate jurisdiction. Appellate jurisdiction is the appeals process. So if I don't like my decision from my bank robbing spree, Okay, they find me guilty and I decide, well, the judge was unfair. The judge didn't like me, whatever it might be. I can appeal and it would go to the court of appeals who has appellate jurisdiction. Okay, so most courts at the lower level, states and federal district courts are going to have appellate jurisdiction, I mean, uh, original jurisdiction. Uh, and then once that has been heard and it goes to an appeal process, that's the appellate jurisdiction. The Supreme Court has both. They have original, those two types I just said, and they also have um, the appellate. They will hear, most of their cases are heard on appeals. 
All right, 36C is uh, John Marshall establishing judicial review through Marbury versus Madison. So this is something you've gotten several times throughout your school career. U.S. history definitely talked about it. But Marbury versus Madison, this comes from the fact that um, <clears throat> Marbury was set to become a federal judge on the on Adams' way out of the president. So John Adams was president. He had uh, made Marbury signed the paperwork anyways for Marbury and 16 other judges to be federal judges. Well, the new guy comes in, Thomas Jefferson, and these judges don't align with Jefferson's political views. So he's like, I'm not going to honor that and I'm not going to submit the paperwork. And so it never does. So that's why it ends up in court. That's why it's Marbury versus Madison. Madison was the secretary of something, secretary of state, maybe that was supposed to deliver the paperwork. So John Marshall, <laughs> excuse me, and and uh, the Supreme Court get a hold of this case. And they decide, well, you know what? The whole Judiciary Act of 17 something, I can't remember the year, uh, but that whole Judiciary Act is is not, not right. It's not constitutional. So they blow the whole thing up. And so that gives them the power and the ability to, to review laws. Now, they can still to this day declare stuff unconstitutional. The key thing to remember here is things have to be challenged. They don't review every law and decide, hey, that's unconstitutional or that's constitutional. It has to get some kind of challenge. Uh, let's see, 36D, uh, how the Supreme Court selects and decides cases, including the impact of opinion. So the Supreme Court, they get to pick their cases. All right, so things uh, appeal. So my bank robbing case, uh, I was found guilty. I appealed to the, the appellate court uh, and they uh, had a split decision because there's there's three people, three judges that'll make a decision. And so uh, it goes to the Supreme Court. OK, uh, the Supreme Court will take a look at my court case and they will make a decision on whether they need to, to hear my case or not. They're probably not going to hear mine because I don't really have a I wouldn't have a valid constitutional reason uh, for the, my appeal, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, there are cases that, that work its way uh, to the Supreme Court through the appeals process. And they're typically going to answer questions, you know, that need some uniformity. Uh, if one court on, in the Southeast here has ruled one way on a certain issue and then another court out West or in the Northeast or wherever has ruled something different, the Supreme Court will say, Hey, we need to make this a uniform thing. And so well, let's make a decision on this. Uh, if the appellate courts are split, sometimes they'll make decisions. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into the, the process of the, the Supreme Court deciding to hear a case. Um, there is something called the rule of four, where four of the justices want to hear a case, they're guaranteed to hear it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but they will hear it, then they will have their trial. Now it is not a typical trial. So it's an hour of oral arguments from the both sides. All right. And then the Supreme Court can ask questions and all that kind of stuff of the lawyers. You're not going to go before the Supreme Court. You're, there's no witnesses. There's no testimony. There's no evidence and things like that. It's just your lawyer gets 30 minutes and then answers questions from the court. And then the other side gets 30 minutes to, to present their argument. And then they answer questions. Um, and so that will go into the then they'll take all that stuff into the their their uh, chambers and they will make a decision. Um, it is you know, got to be five to four to have a win. And the important thing here is once they make the decision, someone will write up the majority opinion and the majority opinion just says, hey, this is how this should be enforced. So basically, it's like a blueprint to the bureaucratic agency that's going to have to enforce whatever decisions they've made. And that's how they should. That's what's going to guide their their decision making process. There's also concurring opinions, which are in agreement. And then there's dissenting the people that disagree. <clears throat> 
36E, the last one of this, is to compare the philosophies of judicial activism and restraint. Um, and so you are uh, doing some assignments with this. Um, activism, this is where there's a belief that the court should take an active part in making decisions and making policy through those decisions versus restraint, where there's the belief that we should just rely on the past. We should rely on what the court said so many years ago. All right. Um, so you know, Brown versus Board of Education is a great example of this. It's, it can be considered activism because there was a court case, Plessy versus Ferguson, which had established the separate but equal uh, precedent. OK. And uh, the court could have easily in 1954 when Brown versus Board said, well, you know what? We've we heard that we've we've seen a case like this before. We saw it back in 1890 with Plessy versus Ferguson. We don't have to make a, a new decision. We can just rely on that. Activism says, though, hey, you'll throw out that that case and you'll make a new decision. And that's what they did with Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, they completely flipped the policy on its head and they said separate but equal is not fair. It's not right. It violates the 14th of 14th Amendment, equal protection. And so um, <clears throat> they we, we have integrated schools uh, starting in 1954, 1955, whenever it was. Um, you know, restraint could have just, we, we it could have been longer before we had integrated schools. You know, if they had just relied on the past, which is a lot of times what restraint will do. Uh, had some activism just recently with Roe versus Wade. They decided to, to overturn Roe versus Wade uh, in last spring. Um, you know, they could have easily said, well, hey, we've already heard this case. Roe versus Wade was established in 1972, and we're just going to go with that. But they chose not to. All right. Uh, all right. So we skipped 37. We'll get to 37 in Unit 6. That's Civil Liberties and Civil Rights. And we come down to uh, 38. All right. So 38A, uh, and this is about the criminal justice process. So 38A, explain an individual's due process rights including such cases as Matt versus Ohio, New Jersey versus TLO, Miranda versus Arizona, Gideon versus Wainwright, and Greg versus Georgia. So <clears throat> let's uh, break all this stuff down. This is the longest one, and I'll try and be as quick as possible as I'm at the 10-minute mark. So due process is just all the rights that come with being arrested, basically. All right, just because you're uh, a suspect, just because you're being searched, just because you're being arrested, just because you're going to trial, all that stuff, you still have rights, and that's the due process stuff. If that, if someone is going to, and when I say someone, the government, I mean, is going to try and take away your due process, your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, those things that we hold so valuable in this country, uh, then you have to have a fair trial. You have to have a lawyer. You have to have, uh, you know, you can't be unlawfully searched and seized and all those sorts of things, okay? So the specifics here are the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment deals with unlawful search and seizure. They cannot come and search you without uh, a reason, a warrant, probable cause, or your permission. Uh, illegal stuff's going to, illegally, illegally obtained evidence is going to be kicked out. So um, <laughs> that's part of the due process. The Fifth Amendment, uh, that's your right to not have to testify. So think back to Miranda versus Arizona. Uh, the fact that you, you know, you don't have to answer the police's questions. Um, you are going to, um, you know, not face double jeopardy. Uh, if you want, don't want to testify on the stand, you don't have to. You complete the fifth. That's all part of due process. The Sixth Amendment, your right to a fair and speedy trial, the right to a jury, the right to a lawyer. All those things are part of your due process. All right. Now, the 14th Amendment is thrown in here, too, because it has it defines what a citizen is. And it says, hey, every citizen is guaranteed due process. It's called the due process clause. So everybody's going to get get those things. So first off, don't ever get in trouble. OK, that's your best bet. But if you ever are, if you ever find yourself, they can't take these things away from you. When I say they, once again, that's the government. All right. The cases uh, Matt versus Ohio deals with the Fourth Amendment. Uh, 
I'm trying to go very quickly here. Uh, map was uh, had a at her house. They Dol- Dolores Map. They wanted to search her house for an escaped convict or someone who escaped from prison or something along those lines. She said no. Uh, well, they come back with a fake warrant. Basically, come in. They search her house, looking for this person. While they're searching for this person, they come across some illegal things in her house. It was some drug paraphernalia. So they arrest her. Okay. Argument being, hey, you didn't have a right to be there. First off, the warrant never showed up at the court. All right. So that, that fake warrant was a fake warrant and it never came back. But secondly, even if you were in this house looking for this guy, you know, you, you shouldn't be able to, to use this stuff that I have against me because you weren't here to, to look for me. You weren't here to, to arrest me. So basically, they have to be very specific what they're looking for on the warrant. And if they're going to search you, you know, they have to be, this is where we're going to search. This is what we're searching for and all those sorts of things. And then anything else they find, uh, potentially they would have to get another warrant or if they take it, you know, they probably might not be able to use it against you. Uh, New Jersey versus TLO. This happened in schools. TLO, those were uh, girls initials, you're like 13, 14 years old. Got caught smoking in the bathroom, and she uh, was taken to the the principal's office or the vice principal somewhere. They searched her. They found drugs on her. Uh, Well, she gets in trouble, obviously, and she's going to argue, hey, that's an unlawful search and seizure. All right. That's, you know, Fourth Amendment rights are being denied here. And uh, the courts are saying, well, no, you're at school. All right. And so schools have a little more leeway uh, with searches than do the police. Miranda versus versus Arizona. Probably most people are familiar with this, uh, the Miranda rights. So uh, Miranda was accused of uh, rape. He was caught, arrested, questioned by the police. He admitted it, all right, Uh, was found guilty. He is going to appeal saying, I didn't know I didn't have to talk to the police. And the Supreme Court's going to agree with him. So, you know, they were questioning him, asking him questions. Eventually he confessed to it. Um, You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to. Uh, The only thing you should say to the police is if you're being arrested or something like that is I want a lawyer. All right. And so uh, he got a second trial. The Confession was kicked out. He was still found guilty. Gideon versus Wainwright guarantees you a lawyer. Uh, used to, you did not get a lawyer for uh, crimes that were misdemeanors. <clears throat> uh, Gideon versus Wainwright is going to assure that you have a lawyer. And then Greg versus Georgia dealt with the uh, death penalty, Eighth Amendment, cruel, unusual punishment. Um, it was basically made legal, and states get to decide whether they're going to have um, what you call it. Um, the death penalty. So it varies from state to state. All right. 38B says to categorize different types of crimes. I'm not going to try and go through the list. I mean, th- I mean, we could be here uh, all day with uh, category- categorizing the different types of crimes. Uh, your major crimes, so the things that are major, murder, kidnap, those are going to be felonies. There are then misdemeanors. Okay. Misdemeanors are the lesser things. Still, you know, an issue. Uh, but you know, if you still, a, a big cue from the quick trip, you're not going to be charged with a felony unless you have a gun and you're threatening to kill people and stuff like that. You know, if you just walk out with your big cue and you get caught, that's going to be a misdemeanor. So it's just the different levels. Uh, 38C analyze the procedures in the criminal justice process. Uh, so this is kind of another long drawn out one, but you know, you're arrested, you're booked. Uh, you're going to see a, a, a judge really quickly, first appearance. Um, and then you'll be. They'll decide, hey, we're going to hold this person over. We're going to give them bail uh, and all those sorts of things. Um, And then you go to your trial. Eventually, uh, you'll have the ability to to call your witnesses, confront the other witnesses, uh, and then a decision is made. Now, that's a very quick version of the the criminal justice process. 
Last two things, 38D, examine the different types of sentences a convicted person can receive. So, um, you know, I'm going to try and keep this as simple as possible. Obviously, jail time is always one. All right. That's a, a sentence that you could, could receive. Um, for the more serious crimes, you might receive life in prison. Uh, you might, <coughs> excuse me, you might just get off with just parole. Okay. But it's going to be based on there's the levels of crimes we talked about earlier. There's the felonies and misdemeanors. And within those felonies and misdemeanors, there are certain kind of guidelines. So if you commit a murder or multiple murders or whatever it is, hey, here's the maximum sentence. Here's the minimum sentence. If you rob a bank, here's the maximum sentence. Here's the minimum sentence. So they vary um, across the board uh, for this. And then finally, 38E, the differences of procedures related to civil suits and criminal proceedings. So criminal is where you've done something wrong and the government is trying to punish you. You've broken some kind of uh, law. Okay. Civil is where you are in a contest with somebody else. You know, you, there's maybe not a law has been broken, but you have, uh, like, I'm recording this while the hurricane is going on. Okay. And I guess it's not really a hurricane for us now. It's just some rain and a little bit of wind. But let's say a tree from your yard fell over and crushed your neighbor's deck. Okay. Just totally destroyed the thing. It's going to have to be completely rebuilt. And your neighbor wants your parents uh, and their insurance to pay for it. Your parents are like, no, we're not going to do that. So now they're going to have to take you to court. That's going to be a civil proceeding. Okay. So your neighbor is going to have to sue you probably uh, or your parents uh, for them to, to make them pay for the that. All right. So if you break a contract, um, basically where there's not a law that's being broken necessarily, but maybe harm has been done somehow, whether physically, mentally, uh, through the breaking of contracts, whatever it might be. All right, guys. Um, <clears throat> for me, remember CFA on Wednesday in class, uh, and we'll also review for your test Wednesday in class, and then we're going to take the test on Friday. Assignments are due on Thursday, just because I want a day to grade it and uh, get it in before Thanksgiving. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, and I will see you uh, on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.